Welcome back to the Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy. Alongside with me, you love him. He's an all-star. He's a silver slugger. He is a golden glover. He is Brett Boone. Booney, how you be? Hey, Danny. How you doing? What do we got this week? Well, hold we on. This before, week before, we get, before we get into the, uh, into the trove of all the sorts of things, I got to tell you something. You've inspired me. I, I have taken up golf. Oh, man. And let me tell you something. There is nothing more intimidating than going to the range and seeing guys hitting balls crazy and me going there and doing nothing but whiffing at a, at a tee. I have a lot well, of questions. I got a lot of, I got a lot of ways to get better. How old are you? I just turned 40. 40 and you're just taking it up. I'd suggest probably, probably a good six months. You don't need to be anywhere near a course. You need to be on the range. Now is my suppose uh, is it is it well all you'll do is clog the course up but, you know you'll be playing the public courses and people will be yelling at you and you'll be yelling back at them so if you want to go do that go ahead actually but I do I, I suggest- do enjoy a good I do enjoy a good yelling and I also do enjoy that uh- I, I would suggest the range. You know, in case I don't want guys like you in front of me, you're, you're holding up my day. I need to get in and out in three hours and 50 minutes. So uh, stick to the range. So is it? No, is it's, it- a, it's a t- <laughs> it's a tough uh, golf is tough. I've been playing 30 years now. I am not I'm not a shot better than I was 20 years ago. I'm the same player. Uh, is I there, don't. I, I don't practice though. I don't practice. Never have to be really good at this game. Just like everything else, you've got to. You've got to practice. You know, and my game's always been. I'm more apt to just when the when my buddies are going. We got a good you know good gambling game. I'll go out for that. But I'm not going to waste my time if I'm going to the course. I'm going to play. I'm not going to work on my game. And I've never had the inkling to ever practice and get better. So I've just kind of moved it around. Well, hence there's there's your answer. I'm the same. I'm a I'm a six handicap, and I was a six handicap probably in 1995. So is I've it rude? Is- a, I might be the wrong guy to talk to about golf well is it rude that if i do play a game and people are yelling at me that i sit there with my middle finger up and just take shots of tequila yeah then then you're the typical clown at the, <laughs> at the local muni you don't, you don't want to do that you don't want to do that. actually i prefer to be that guy i don't know why i want to drink well, I think it's what are you gonna put the beers on top of your helmet with the straw coming down what? and just be you know wear the high top <laughs> high tops out there on the lace you just be a clown whistling at car girls yes you, you can yes. do that you well, can do that. We, well hold on you're a dad like i am aren't there <laughs> aren't there certain times where you're just like I really just want to be like around like other guys and just kind of just be a dude for a minute and not be a parent, not be a husband and just, of course, I just want to, I just want to drink and hit balls and whistle at girls and then come home and go back to life. Why does it be so serious? Oh, to go out there. Well, you'll, you'll see once you get this golf bug and you start practicing and you start putting together somewhat, somewhat of a a semblance of a swing, you're going to start liking it and go, no, I'm out there. This is serious. I want to play. I want to play good. Then you're going to start betting with your buddies. You'll see. I think you don't know. At I, first, I think- it's all clowning around. But if you get to a point where you're, you're actually, <laughs> at least you think in your brain that you're decent, you start to take it really serious. And, and you get pissed when you're, I've gotten to the point, I've gone the full gamut. I, I, I started off, I was serious as a heart attack. Man, I'm out there. I'm going to be really good, good. Then I got to the stage where would I would I be having a bad round or I, or I hit a couple wet, bad wedge shots in a row, I'd throw my club. Then I got to the point where I really had to look at myself and say, I'm really not that good and I don't work enough at this 
to really throw a club. I'm not that good to be upset over a bad shot, something that I'm not a professional at. So you, you go, you run the full gamut. Then you don't take yourself so serious. You learn to enjoy it a little bit more as you, as you get into that third tier. We'll see. But the more, but the more you want to be good at this, and the more you put into it, the more work you put in, you'll take it serious when you're out there. And, and when things don't go good, it's not. Oh, I'm just having a good time with the guys. You'll take it serious. You'll see, see. Mooney. I think it's the other way around. I think there's a part of you that wants to hang out with a guy like me and go. I just want to f around with this guy just because I'm so tired of being so serious. You played competitive no, sports no, all your no, entire no, life. Don't you want to see a guy like me and go let's drink? No, the golf course, it's no place for, for hacks in my group. <laughs> You've got to be a... No, no, I, no, no, no. I usually am I'm the worst player in the group, no, and, you're and mis- I like it that way. I like it that way. You're misunderstanding the question. I don't want to be in your group. I think you want to be in my group. Oh, no. I definitely don't want to be in your group. That's a long, that's a long day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of learning things from the bottom to the top... Let's talk about youth sports for a little bit and just the way these special coaches, special instructors are a waste of time. You've gone on to say that in youth sports, maybe teaching because I have a five-year-old and I, I want him to get into sports and a guy like you who congratulations to you. Your son is just signed with the, the Washington Nationals, which is fantastic. Tell me about what I have to do with my five-year-old. Tell me about what what makes sense for me to do. If I if you if you started liking baseball, what's the what's the path he should take? You know, my, my advice, and I've seen so many parents, I've, I've gone from a player, you know, obviously I had my childhood and how I was brought up and how I went about it. Uh, and then I, it, when I retired, I came home and I was, a, you know, I coached, I coached my son, I coached my younger kids. And I see these parents and, and it's just, <laughs> there's so much nonsense out there. Uh, for young kids, especially, and if I give any advice, and I, when I'm out there watching, you know, watching the kids play, I'm, I'm as quiet as can be. I'm off in a corner, usually under a tree. I don't want to be noticed. And I don't say too much. But if I'm ever asked, you got to let these kids be kids and, and enjoy their childhood. You know, I see too many kids taking it so serious and whether it's them that want to take it serious or their parents that are kind of pushing them into being serious. Uh, you want to look back when you're 20 years old and you're out in the workforce or you're in college, you want to look back at your, your 12 year old year at little league and, and, and smile and say, man, that was fun. You remember back when life was really simple and I didn't have a midterm tomorrow or, <laughs> or, you know, I didn't have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, they, these are some of the, the greatest times, your, your youth. And still, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play a long time in the big leagues. And some of my fondest memories, obviously getting to go to my first all-star game, first World Series, those are big things in my life. But but I'll, I, I love the Little League days where life was simple. And man, I get four hits and go have a snow cone and a pretzel with my buddies. And where are we going tonight? Those, those times you can't get back. And I, I, I look at a lot of these kids that take it too serious when they're 10, 11, 12 years old. And then you're looking back and, and you don't have fond memories. It was always being pushed or I had to go to this class or this special teacher. People, people have to realize that the real players and the players that go on to do this professionally, you didn't, it didn't just happen. You see what I'm saying? Right. You, you've got to be born with a certain amount of ability. And, and I always go to the, the ultimate, you know, in basketball, I go to a LeBron James type or in baseball, I go to a Ken Griffey Jr. or a Mike Trout. It doesn't matter 
how many classes or, or special instructions they had or, or what travel ball team they were on. If, you, if you're a big leaguer, you're a big leaguer. And that's just the way it is. We don't learn from coaches. You know what I, you know what I learned from coaches? How to, be a, how to be a young man. How to be a man. That's who I want my kids around. I don't care what he knows about baseball. I, w- I want a good life guy a life coach to, to be on the field with my son that when I'm not there, when I'm not able to, to be at a practice or when my son went off to college, I know that he's with a good man first and foremost and whatever he can learn. Maybe he learns a little bit from a, from a, from a baseball fundamental standpoint, but for the most part, you don't learn anything. I, I grew up in a family, obviously of, of baseball players. Well, I was, let me, let me, let me, let me just stop you for a second and, and ask this other question from you. Did you ever have fun playing baseball when you were a kid? Because when you're the son, when you're the son of a legend and the lineage is there, how much is it? Explain to me what it is. Pleasure versus pressure. 100 percent pleasure. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up with a uh, great bunch of kids that that didn't make it a big deal. It was almost like they ribbed me for my dad uh, catching for the Phillies at the time. Uh, they didn't treat me any different. I didn't feel special or I was this or that. No, my friends probably a big attribute attri- to them the way they treated me. They treated me like anybody else. I had nothing but a blast in my youth playing Little League. And and my goal was always I wanted to be the best player and I wanted to crush you that day we played. And I have nothing but fond memories of my Little League. I didn't have instructions. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I didn't have – my dad didn't give me one piece of advice until I maybe till I got to the college level, he didn't teach me how to throw. He didn't teach me how to hit. He didn't Why? teach me how to take a grounder. Why? Why? Because he just let me play. You learn this game by trial and error. You don't learn it by tutelage. Let me let me fast forward. I, I've had I had a great high school coach, but he was a great man. I had a great college coach who recently passed away, Mike Gillespie. Tremendous man. Taught me how to be a man. You know, I had great skippers in the big leagues and a lot of great coaches. I can count on on a, half of one hand the people that actually made me a better baseball player, taught me something I didn't know. You learn these things through trial and error. You learn them by going into the cage and, all right, my hands aren't right. But let me adjust my hands here. Oh, that is, oh, that feels good. Let me take that into the game. Oh, I took it into the game. Didn't work. Back to the drawing board. Repetition, repetition. That's how we learn. All these fancy camps and these coaching gurus. It's, it's nonsense. If you don't have a certain amount of ability, you're not going to do this for a living anyway. No. So let's, in the meantime, let's make the experience for our kids as good as it can be. It's about them. It's not about you, the parents. It's about little Johnny coming back from Little League and smiling at dad and say, dad, did you see me hit that ball? Or did you see me make that play today? That's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, you didn't get any hits today, so go to your room and, and you know, that's ridiculous. These are children. Let them be kids. And, and the cream's going to rise at the top. The guys that have that kind of extra ability you're going to see that usually when you get a little more serious in your high school years well when you go from high school to pro and you go from college to pro how much easier is would you think it would be now for you to play in the game if you were rising above and you were like you said back when you were coming up in the 80s into the 90s and you were cutting your teeth how much easier is it now for a player to go from high school to pro well let me say it's never going to be. Uh, let me preface it with this: it's never easy. The big leagues is the big leagues, and it's always going to. 
the, the kids today, even versus the kids when I was coming up in 1990, the athlete is superior and it will continue to get superior. That's human development. You know, linemen in the NFL don't get smaller. Uh, wide receivers in the NFL don't get slower as time goes on. It's the same for, you know, <laughs> basketball players. They don't jump less high than they do now. It going forward, you see what I'm saying? Sure. The speed and, and the technology and the, and the training techniques are always improving just, just like life. It's human development. So let me first say, I think the athletes are consistently getting better. They're better than they were when I walked into the minor, my first minor league clubhouse in 1990. They're more fit. They're statistically just in better shape. They take it more serious. They, they take their diet serious. They have all this data. They have computer. They have studying tools that I only wish I had. Um, as far as making it to the big leagues, you're, you're still in there with your generation of players. So you've got to be the best of the best to make it. I just think now I watch a big league game. There's not that fear anymore that I had. You know, these guys are getting their name on their shoe when they're in double A. They get to the big leagues. They're treated like, you know, I see the, the kids of today kind of running the asylum. When I, was a, when I was a rookie in the big leagues, it was sit in the back of the bus, shut up. You're spoke, you speak when you're spoken to. Now I see these 21 year olds breaking down home run. If I would have broken down a home run when I was 21 <laughs> years old, well, I wasn't in the big leagues when I was 21, but let's say my rookie year. Oh my goodness. How, how the, the repercussions I would have had, not only internally from my teammates, but from the opponent, from the umpires, it's just a different game. I think the positives there are positives and there are negatives. The positives are you're getting to see a lot of really good, young, talented guys getting to the big leagues earlier than we're used to seeing them. I think the negative is there's really no fear. You know, when I got to the clubhouse, I remember it's, man, all I could think about, it, and I grew up around this game, is, wow, I just got to prove that I'm good enough to stay here. And and I had the, they put the fear of God in me, these veteran players. And I had guys like Chris Bazio and, and Jay Buhner, who to this day are, are, are great guys. And they handled me. Uh, they gave me a hard time and they rode me. Uh, but it was it was tough love. And they taught me how to be a man and how to be a big leaguer. Not just when I got to the big leagues. Oh, it's all given to you and you've earned it. No, you've earned getting here, now earned staying here. And I think we had a lot more of that fear back in my day. I, I don't want to be that old 50-year-old guy that says, oh, the kids today. No, I think there's a lot of positive things going on with the game today and innovations and techniques. I think it, it forwards the game. But I also think there's that negativity to it. There's no fear of going to the big leagues. There, you, I, I see young players today just acting like they've got 10 years in the big leagues. Every home run, I'm like, oh, there goes 600, and this guy's got nine career. So I think there's positives and negatives, but uh, I, I, I think for the elite guys coming into the game, it's a little bit easier as a young player to play in the big leagues in 2020 than in past generations. Let's talk about drinking for a second. Booze, alcohol. There's a little-known fact that times when there's baseball players that are – or more, more likely pitchers who are not in their rotation that day. They like to sit there and watch the game and even drink. How much of that is actually does go on? Is that like an unwritten thing that if you don't have to play that day, you can just sit there and booze it up and hang out? Or no. is that frowned upon? <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I ever saw that. You know, I see the guy coming out of the game, the pitcher coming out of the game, you know, let's say the starting pitcher in the fifth inning, he goes in training room, gets his ice, watching the rest of the game on TV, having a few beers. No, once he's, once you're out of the game, oh, I saw people drinking beers all the time. 
the day you're not pitching, because just because you're not pitching that day, you're available. We might go 17 innings. We need you to pinch run in the 17th, you know, if you're the fourth starter, but you started the night before. So to be honest, that really doesn't happen. I mean, you hear, I'm sure it has happened. I'm sure I was a part of it at one point, but from a consistent, it, it's nowhere even close to the norm. Uh, that's for after. And, and I'll tell you, today's game, I think there's a lot less of it, you know, drinking in, in general, just because of the, it's such a rigorous schedule and, right. and, you know, what you can't take anything these days. Everything is outlawed. You know, back there, there were greenies that you could take for, for when you had a rough night and you needed a little extra. They, they don't have those anymore. So, boys, today you better be living on, on Ovaltine and cookies and milk and get your sleep. All right. Now, let me ask you this question. In terms of the way guys do things now and the guys the way they do things then. It seems as though guys right now are more serious than they've ever been. It seems like baseball back in the day, there were always stories of like Mark Grace with a, they called him the iron boot, where he'd always have a boot of booze with him. And even the White Sox, the pitchers even came out and said, games, I'm not pitching. I'm, they were sitting there drinking and getting, getting wasted. Um, it seems like now they're, they're, they're taking it more serious, even though you said that a lot of guys are coming to the leagues, you know, just coming right in with no real fear to it. But it seems like the whole game has gotten just more serious and not as fun as it used to be. Well, no, I, I definitely think throughout the generations, it's it, it definitely has changed. I think when you're talking about old school baseball, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, man, that was the golden age of baseball. It was train rides. And, you know, I heard stories from my grandfather of, of they'd travel together and man, 90 percent of the team were drinking, uh, you know, going through <laughs> my dad's generation to my generation. Uh, yeah, guys like to. Guys like to blow off some steam. You know, there's a lot of casual drinking after the game. I think today's game, not as much. And I, and I think it's because of, of the finances in the game. I think it's the liability. You know, I think about it a lot on, on plane trips where, you know, it was an open bar in every plane trip uh, during my career. That is where, fantastic. Uh, as a player, we can drink whatever we want. We're, we're, we're uh, grown men. But, but when you step back and think about it, it's like, wow, we just went on a five-hour flight. Now, it was one thing if you were going to another city. You know, if we were flying into Kansas City, no big deal because everybody's going to be safe. They're going to be getting in cabs and, and, and headed, you know, wherever we're headed to dinner or to bed or, you know, you're not at home getting in your car. But I thought about that, all those road trips where, you know, there's an open bar all the time. And it's like the liability of an employer that, that gave you an open bar and then put you in your car and sent you home, you know, and, and things are different now. You know, I think people are, are more well thought out. And uh, as time goes on, we're always going to find things that we can improve on. I think it's good for the game to to kind of rid yourself of that stuff still to this day you're a grown man i'll, I'll guarantee you i don't know how the plane flights are nowadays but probably you know you're a grown man if you want to bring a bottle of wine in your in your bag i'm sure that's very okay uh but as far as them supplying it to you from from a liability standpoint i think they're they're being real careful with those rules and and i can't say it's a negative thing what was the best part about being famous a famous athlete I, I never thought about it that way. Uh, I never really. I, well, when you retire, when you retire, there had to have been a thing where you're like, that was awesome. Well, no, I mean, there's perks. There's definitely the good things and, and there's definitely the negative things. You know, I remember some of the negative things were, you know, I, when I played in Seattle in the early 2000s, I was pretty recognizable in that city. And there'd be days where my wife would turn to me and say, 
hey, let's go, you know, let's go out to lunch before you go to the ballpark. And I think, wow, <laughs> I'm three for my last 21. We just lost five out of six. Every single person at that restaurant is going to give me that look. And the worst were, were just the grandmas that would come up to you that were, you know, big fans and big Mariner fans. And they give you that look with those, with those puppy dog eyes. Like, <laughs> are you okay, Brett? <laughs> you know, yes, I'm okay. <laughs> but, but you don't want that in the middle. So that was the downside to it. The, the perks are, I didn't not get into many restaurants. <laughs> I, I didn't get, you know, I didn't, I always got my tea time. Um, so there's definitely <laughs> perks. There's definitely perks, but, but I never went into it thinking, wow, it's really cool being famous. I, I went into it because I wanted to be a big leaguer well, and I wanted to play a long time. It must not have been too much of a surprise. I mean, growing up with your dad being a pro ball player and, and seeing people come up to him, at what point did you know, did you realize your dad was a baseball player, like someone famous? Um, probably right away, but, but once again, it, it was, it was something that, that, I didn't think it was a big deal. And, and I think it's the people around me made me feel that way. They didn't treat me like I was any different. They treated me like the kid down the street and they wanted to kick my ass in, in street hockey. That's what we did back then. We put the nets out and when the cars come, we had to move the nets and bring them back. They didn't care that, that my dad caught for the Phillies. Uh, they treated me like Brett, the guy they wanted to beat and, and uh, you know, when we set up the eight foot rims and played dunk ball. So I, I never felt special or any different than anybody else. Yeah. I knew my dad was, was, you know, playing in the major leagues and that was kind of a big deal, but, but I was never meant to feel that way. I think, and I think it's all part of being a kid and the naivety that we have. And I think that's what's special about being a kid. You should be naive. You, you shouldn't have a clue. You, you wake up one day when you're, when you're an adult and you've been doing this for a while and you look back in your childhood with nothing but good memories. Like, wow, that was really cool. And I can't believe how lucky I was. I was, man, I slept at Pete Rose's house in 1980, the night they clinched in the World Series. And the next day I was on the float and a million people downtown Philly were watching me on this float. And at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. It's, this is what they do when they win. But looking back, wow, those are, those are some really cool moments that, that you didn't really cherish at the time. But now you, you really appreciate what, what I had and, and the childhood that I had. Well, let me just put it in perspective for you, okay? My father was a Jewish educator who was a ventriloquist on the side. We didn't get to experience any of those things. And the fact that I've got into radio is a complete blunder. So, I mean, it's one of those things where... You know what you wanted to do your entire life. I never was on that mode. And the only thing that my dad, before he passed away, would actually gave me as far as advice was concerned was not to take it too seriously. He just always told me, like, if I lost a job, he would just tell me jokes. <laughs> my mom and brother have always been very serious people. And they're always, my, my brother's funny. He's a cool guy. But he's more of a serious guy. He's, he's, he can be more serious with things and more logical. And my dad was not like that. My dad was always kind of the more creative side of it. So I never saw anything of fame and fortune like the way you guys did. But it's just so interesting to be like, to for you, it's no big deal. But for guys like me, you're like, I wanted to be like you. I wanted to be a famous player and just kind of see how life was on that side. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. Put it that way. Yeah, I've been, I've been afforded so many, so many cool, uh, Man, just life experiences through baseball. And I've got to do and meet and see and uh, so many unbelievable things that I normally wouldn't. But, but now I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a 50-year-old dad, and I enjoy that now. You know? And once in a while, it, you, know, you learn to appreciate it because you know, when you're in your heyday and everybody knows who you are when you walk down the street and they, you, know, you kind of get 
mobbed wherever you go. And I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, famous is Michael Jordan, famous is Tiger Woods. You know, I was just a small entity. I was, I was famous in Seattle for a time period. So to, to see what they would go through, uh, living life on a daily basis, that's a different level. You also, wait, wait, you also played with Ken Griffey Jr., who at the time was a major superstar too. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny was, you know, it's tough when you get that famous, it's tough. You can't go anywhere. You could be in Hong Kong and you can't go to a Starbucks because everybody knows who you are. That's a different level of fame. Brad Pitt, that's a different level of fame. That's, I can't go outside of my house fame. Um, but, once again, a lot of perks that come with it, but there's also the negative side of it. And you got to deal with both. So you were mentioning, you know, the, the seriousness versus joking and on how you handle things. And I think that the balance for that is, is finding uh, there's a time for, for dead seriousness. And there's a time for having a good time. When I was on the field, man, I was, I was serious as you could be from seven o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, but, but there was a break in the action sometimes. And there was those spots where it's time to have fun with my, with my teammates. It, it might be a teammate over there is not feeling it right now. It's he, he's had a rough few days. Let me say something right in the moment that might perk him up. I, I was all for having fun. You got to have fun playing this game or you're, or you're not going to last very long. So you got to find a way to have fun, but you also got to know when it's time to be serious. Not to, not to go too far into your uh, psyche and your, your personal stuff but being an athlete and being a guy who's gone through trials and tribulations how hard is it to be married that's always something that i've always kind of wondered myself like when athletes are married it's like how how hard is it not to like come home after a bad game and not be like just stay away from me i i need i i can't compress or are you one of those guys who can compartmentalize and go that was on the field now i'm brett now i'm husband now i'm dad let's go play some shoots and ladders <laughs> Well, I never got to that point. You know, I got, let's put it this way. I got better as, as life went on and I, and I matured a little bit and I had a little time under my belt. I got, I got a little bit better at handling the, the separation. I was able to separate, you know, bad day at the field. Okay. When I leave the field, not completely dismiss it, but I got really good at dismissing it to a degree. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm divorced now, but, um, the, the mother of my children was, she was a tremendous support for me during my career. She really was, didn't work out for us in the long run, but during my career, I have nothing negative to say. She was always there, very supportive, uh, stayed in the background, was never that that wife up in the crowd gossiping about everything because there's a lot of that that goes on. But uh, I, I can say nothing but positive things of, about my, my kid's mother at, as far as uh, supporting me and being there through my career. It takes a, a certain type of woman, certain type of lady. You know, my grandpa used to tell me that all the time. He says, when I was a young man, he said, be careful, those women, Brett, you got to keep focused with your career. And I said, what about you? You've been married for like 200 years. And he looked at me and said, different, different generation. And I used to laugh about that, but I, but I knew what he was, what he was poking off. It, it had nothing to do with, with stay away from those girls. It was don't lose focus of what's important. And that's your career at the time when you're a young man. So uh, it, it's, it takes a special person to be married to an athlete uh, because we go through a lot. And then, and then when you come home from, you know, 15 or 20 years of, of being on the road and playing baseball every day, all of a sudden you retired and it's over and you kind of look around and you got to adjust to that life. And we're not used to living that way. And a lot of people get caught up in it. That's, that's why you see a lot of ex-athletes uh, going through a divorce. I, I think you're, you're, not really Ill, you're not really equipped 
for life after baseball. No one's given you a handbook. And, and you think because of who you are and the accomplishments that you've been able to, to achieve, you think automatically that you're, you're ready for life after baseball and you know how to handle it. Well, I found out just like a lot of people do. I didn't know it all. I didn't know how to handle when I got home and people were putting up my Christmas decorations because that's the way we do it. You know, when I was playing, I was, I was worried about the season and worry about getting ready for the season. When you come home and you start to look around with how life is and, and, you know, you have somebody say, Hey, don't come home after 17 years and tell us how to run the house. Uh, that's a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, believe me, um, I'm on very good terms with my ex now, and but it but it was rocky for a while, just as much my fault as hers. But but now I just focus on my kids and and ho- hope <laughs> doing the best job I can as a dad and send them out of the world with the best chance. Then it's all up to them. So we'll see how it goes. Time will tell. Well, let me ask you this: Is it also a thing of uh, maybe you didn't exactly know your spouses then? Because a lot of times, I mean, like a lot of people are seeing during this quarantine time. That a lot of people, when you're forced to actually be with that spouse and when you don't have a game that's kind of in the way and you don't have to be at the field or you don't have to be in the trainers and you don't have to do, you know, whatever you got to do for the game. When it's over and you're sitting there on the couch, you kind of have to get to know that spouse is kind of like, I guess I didn't know you as well as I thought I did. I guess I don't like you. (laughs) Well, for me, it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't like or, you know, it it was just a when I was on the road and I I was playing and and you know, my wife was the head of the household and she would take care of me. I was on the road half the time and these big league guys are on the road half the time and, and you leave a lot to your wife and, and she's got the kids and she gets them to school and you might be gone on a 10 day road trip and the radiator breaks and you get a phone call, but you're worried about the guy that's pitching tomorrow and you're four for your last 20 and you don't want to hear about the radiator. So your answer is just call the radiator guy and get it fixed. Now, fast forward <laughs> to when you're retired and you're home and you see the day-to-day activities. And now all of a sudden, this guy that's been on the road, me, for 17 years, is going to come home and start dictating how the household's going to be run. Well, sometimes that was, you know, that was her job for years and years. And all of a sudden, I'm dictating it. Well, that doesn't usually mesh very well. And you find that out. And, and I've had a lot of friends that have fought through it and got through that tough post-career, you know, seems like time frame we all go through and, and some guys haven't but uh in the long run you you move on with life life's too short to to think of the the bad times i i try to think about the good times and and in the end it's all about raising my kids the best i can to to give them the best chance at life and and that's what i choose to do and let's, i look let's, back at i look back at a lot of positive things in in my first marriage and in my career uh i i i, I just choose not to look at the negative Let's talk about family and your kids. You uh, you have a son going to the majors. You got Jake Boone, signs of the Washington Nationals. Family business, hashtag fourth generation. Well, Dan, let's it's not get ahead of fruition. ourselves. It's Nobody coming just to goes fruition. to the majors. All right. Tell me what it's like to be a dad and watching this going, and, and watching this going on. Uh, just uh, proud, excited uh, for him. You know, I think a better, better headline for that would be the journey begins because uh, to get that opportunity is what we all, all us baseball players strive for is to get that opportunity to play professional baseball. Now, once you get that opportunity, you got to go kick the door down and show them that you belong and and you're a big leaguer. Uh, And he's got a a really tough road ahead of him. 
and he knows that, but he's, he's a good kid. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. He's going to graduate from Princeton by the end of the year. Wow. So he's going to have his Princeton degree. And now he's, he's chasing his dream. You know, he's a shortstop. He's a really good player. Uh, and he's going to have a chance, but, but, uh, like I said, it, all we ask for is the opportunity now as players, uh, you got to go kick the door down and, and you've got a lot of hungry kids, you know, in the minor leagues. There's a lot of minor leaguers that want to be big leaguers. So the competition, you got to up your game. And I think he's ready for the challenge. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun to watch his journey to, to see how he, he progresses and he gets better and better. And uh, I'm just going to be a, a supportive father that doesn't say much, sits, sits back. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll use the early, earlier uh, analogy I used is, when it comes to my son and, and baseball, uh, I don't say much. I'm, I'm, I speak when I'm spoken to. If he calls me with a problem, now sit down and I'll tell you all my experiences and I'll tell you what I think the best remedy is for whatever problem you have right now. But I wait for him to come to me. I, I don't, I'm not one of those dads that goes to the game, watches my son have a rough game, gets him in the car and wants to wear him out all t- about what he did wrong in the game. No. I take him home, I feed him dinner, and if he wants to talk, he'll come to me and say, hey, Dad, in the third inning when I kicked that ball up the middle, you think I should have been thinking that now we got a dialogue going, but I always wait for him to come to me. Well, if your son was to actually continue to be in Princeton, and if you were to play the game of football, he'd have no season right now because it looks like football games are being canceled in college, especially the Ivy League, they've already canceled it, and the Big Ten just canceled all theirs. What do you think of that? What do you think of uh, these fall sports canceling right now due to the uh, coronavirus? I think it's, I think it's ridiculous, you know, um, and, and, you know, I just look at it. I, it, I saw a tweet by uh, the kid for, for Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, and it, and it made sense. And I can't, I can't reference the tweet verbatim, but, but he basically said, are we safer in, in our little bubble that they've created uh, at Clemson? To where they, everything is ritual and everything is, you know, everything is protocol and, and keeping the guys as tightly knit and as safe as they possibly be. Are we safer there? Or are we safe just going home and, and going about our lives and going to dinner when we want to go to dinner and go to the grocery store when we want? I think right now, if you're an adult going through this uh, corona, Major League Baseball is about as safe a place as you could possibly be with with the protocol and and who's allowed to to be in the vicinity of you. You're, you're basically there with 25 other guys uh, living in a bubble. And and yeah, we've heard some people that it snuck out of the hotel or did that. Well, you're going to have those stories. You're not going to get a thousand big league players and everybody going to be perfect. I think people are learning their lessons. But but I think about that at the you know at the colleges the, the colleges that are going back to school. Is it, is it safer to be going to class and, and roaming around campus and going to parties? Or is it safer to be a football player that's got a protocol and, and are kind of isolated and quarantined just the football team? I think that's about as safe as place as you could be. I, I just, I, I have my feelings a lot about this. You know, I'm raising two 16-year-old boys. These boys need to be in school for their, for their development as young men. You know, I, I think you give young kids too much time away and, and, and the problem becomes worse than the solution. You know, I, I don't want to get politicky. That's, that's not my thing. I just I, I look at it from a selfish standpoint. If I want the best chance for my young boys to be young men and, and to be successful in life. And I think taking away 
years or, or zooming in your school, I, I think you lose a lot. And I think it could be very detrimental to our youth. So I don't know. I, I'm, I, I just want to get back to school, get these kids back in school. I think the guys should be playing football, but then again, they don't, they don't care what I think. <laughs> so I, I, I that's why I really, I don't really talk about it that much. I see it differently. And I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I'll, I'll, I'll go on this end with you. Baseball is different because you're not face to face with people. A batter is there. You have a catcher who's kind of below you. You got a, an umpire. You got masks. You have a pitcher who's more than six feet away. You got first, second, third, right center, left, left field. Those guys are all kind of separated. There's a lot of social distancing. There's a lot of masks going on in the NBA. You guys, you got guys in a bubble in the NHL. They're in Canada. So they're all kind of separated. They're on their own. It's harder to do football because the object of the game is to hit people and be face to face. And there's an object is the droplets, the breathing, the things of that nature. And I get what you're well, saying, I, but, but if you're not, this, but if you're not in a bubble, I mean, these campuses, like you said, they're all still going to be going to fraternity parties. You're not going to tell these players, Hey, you just well, had a great game. You can't go to a bar and go drink and celebrate. A lot of these guys, how many times did somebody say no to you in your career? And you're like, who's telling Brett Boone? No, you know? Well, I, no, I, I think there is a, a certain Superman mentality when you're in your when you're in your prime, and and yeah, you, definitely there's some truth to that. And I think a lot of uh, you know the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins have figured that out, and the teams that have taken it dead serious are having success with it. I think you know to ask college kids, you're, it's not going to be a perfect scenario. But what I think is the protocol for if you're a regular student at Clemson versus a football player at Clemson that is going to be subject to being tested every day or every other day, and if you test positive, uh, you're not allowed to play. I think that gives you incentive. But if you test, uh, but if you test positive, it's not just you that can't play. Now it's got to be everybody that you've been around, right. including so, players. So what's that tell, and what's you got to quarantine you? it all. But what's that tell you as an athlete? I better take this dead serious. I better quarantine myself better than everybody else in my university. But that's a if level. If I want this football season to be successful. And that, not only that, but the football team that's coming in to play you, they've got to have a similar protocol and be as cautious and as safe as you possibly can. But which that, is, in the end, is going to be more or safer than somebody who's just has no rules is just going to school. And there's nothing wrong with it. These, there's nothing wrong with these people. If you come up positive, that's not necessarily anybody's fault. No. That's just you were wrong place, wrong time. But I think if you're taking extra measures, that's probably in place for those D1 programs, you're going to be as safe as you possibly could in that atmosphere. Does that make sense? But you're also talking like a level-headed human being, like an adult. These guys aren't adults. 90% of these guys aren't going to the pros. No, and 90% you know, maybe, of these guys... I'll, I'll tell you, in a weird way, in a weird way, I've been looking at this, and I wonder how I'd... Uh, I think as a veteran player, I definitely take this so serious because I knew, you know, it's not about me. It's not about, I'm not worried about the, the health side, but I'm worried about having to look into my teammates' eyes when I come in test positive because I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I went to a bar, I went to a restaurant, I, I snuck out the back door and I picked this up and now I got I to gotta be accountable to my teammates and they know, oh, where did, where did Brett go? You know, I would take it dead serious. Now, a young team, rookies, once again, we'll go back to that Superman. You kind of think that, now, nah, you know what? I'm just going to slip out, have a beer at this restaurant. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to catch it from any. All of a sudden, now you go in, you are. Man, 
If you weren't taking it serious before, you're sure as heck taking it serious now. And I would, in a weird way, you know, all these college athletes, they're always watching the big boys, the NFL players, the Major League Baseball players. And maybe these college athletes are watching what happened to the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins, and they're going to go, wow, if we're playing, we're going to take it dead serious. And we're not going to leave, and we're going to be with our team unit, and that's it. And if that means maybe I can't see my family or, or my friends until the football season's over, well, then that's a sacrifice I got to make if, if I want to have a successful season. He's Silver Slugger, Golden Glover, All-Star Brett Boone. He can be reached on Twitter at, at TheBoon29. My name is Dan Levy. I'm just a fan like you, like you and everybody else are. Love hearing the stories from Brett. Love hearing all the the deep dives of what goes on in a, in the brain of a player and not just any player, but somebody with the lineage. So again, if you want to reach out you want to ask questions, you want to hear some stories, hit us up, hit Brett Boone up personally at the Boone 29. We'll ask your questions right here live on the podcast and we'll, we'll get real answers. My name is Dan Levy. You can find me on Twitter at base on air B a S S on air for Brett Boone. I'm Dan Levy. Thanks again for joining us. We'll do it again next week. This has been the Boone podcast with Brett Boone. Anything you want to say before we go? Have a good week guys. We'll see you guys later.